Good day, everybody. So I'm here with you with another podcast that I have, and the title of it is called The Satyrian, His Faith, His Leadership, and the Servant That He Loved. So as I was reading this passage from Luke verses 1 through 10, Luke chapter 7 verses 1 through 10, I really felt on that God put on my heart to study this And to make it as my next podcast, because it is a lot of information in here in just these few verses that I believe that we can learn from, and that's including myself. And as I was reading this, these scriptures, it just amazed me how the things that are in the Bible that God wants us to know and to learn is just so powerful when we really sit down and we really ask God to give us understanding through his Holy Spirit, to understand these scriptures that, you know, we read and that we will continue to read as Christians and those of us who are of the faith to really just go over God's scriptures and to to see what God wants us to know. You know, when, when we look at the Bible, sometimes we just look at it, oh, you know, as just, you know, it being the Bible, but these are love letters written to us, and these are the words that God wanted us to know and to learn at this time. And we have to approach the Bible with, what does God want me to learn from this passage at this moment in this season? And as I was reading these scriptures, God just revealed so much to me, and I want to give it to you as God gave to me. But first, you know, as I always do, I read the scriptures and then I break it down based on what I studied and what God has revealed to me. So, Again, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. And I'm reading from the King James Version. Now, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain satyrian's servant, who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent his friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, For I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about. It said unto him the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. Now, these scriptures is so, 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 so powerful. And as I was studying these scriptures and these verses, God put it on my heart, this title, after I read everything. And 
went over the scriptures and studied and poured out my heart. And it occurred to me that there are a few things that's going on just within these short 10 verses. And I titled it, The Saturian, His Faith, His Leadership, and a Servant That He Loved. So here we have a Saturian who was given a position in which he had authority. But yet in these few verses, we see that he had faith and he had leadership skills. But also, not only did he have leadership skills and he had faith, what he had most of all that was most important, if he didn't have anything else besides faith, was he had love. And he had love for his servant, who his servant served him. But in the end, in the time that was most precious, in the time that was most needed, this Saturian who, who had authority, who could have sent anyone else to do it, he turned out to be a servant to his servant because he loved his servant who fell sick. So in the end, the Saturian ended up being a servant to his servant because of the love that he had for him. And his faith allowed him to bow down and be humble and humble himself before Jesus. And it made Jesus marvel in the fact that this man who sent people out to go kill and to take things and to, to probably do things that we would nowadays would say is un, unbiblical. Here we have a man who, who's given power, who's given authority, yet in this very moment, his love abided above all his authority and he bowed down and he humbled himself. And he said to Jesus, out of all the things that I have done, I bow myself to you humbly out of love because my servant who served us is sick. And my faith tells me that you can do what it is that people have told me that you can do. And here we have the centurion that's begging out and crying out to Jesus saying, Jesus, if you can do one thing in this very moment, I don't want to win battles. I don't want to boss people around. I don't want to use my authority to do such and such. And in this moment, the Saturian is not even using his authority. The Saturian took is taking off his physical armor and he's putting on the spiritual armor of God, which is his faith. And he's telling Jesus, if you can grant me one thing, even though we Jesus is not a genie, but the Saturian is saying, Jesus, if you can grant me one thing, and that is to let my servant live because he loves us and we love him and I love him. That's what this turn is saying. And this is just so powerful. Okay. And in verses 1 through, verses one through to 10, we see that we have a man, a centurion, who his servant is sick. And this, these verses are also mentioned in Matthew, ver, uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 and on. And I believe it's uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. And the version that Matthew gives in King James Version is more, it's more in, in depth. And in, chap, in, in Luke chapter 7, they say that he just falls sick. But in Matthew, which is more, more in depth, that's why sometimes we have to go back when we read in these scriptures, in these chapters, in these verses. If you have a concordance like I have, sometimes it'll tell you, where this same story is at in another in another book of the Bible. So in Matthew, 
chapter 8, verses 7, they specifically say what his servant is sick of. And it says that he's sick of the palsy. Now, this is a very, a very aggressive disease and in which it says that when one has is sick of the palsy, that they're tormented physically and they're in so much pain. Now, in verse 1, it says that when Jesus was done with his one task, and I put it here in my notes that when we're done with one assignment, we move on to the next. So Jesus was done with his one assignment, and then he moved on to his next assignment that God had for him. We are to stay the course that God has for us. And we see from Jesus's example that he, when he was done with one assignment, he went on to the next Okay, we have to learn to stay the course because we don't know what God has for us in the next season of our lives, around the next corner of our lives. So we must not be distracted by the things that are not necessary for us to handle. We have to also be humble enough to know that we cannot solve everyone's problems. That unlike Jesus, he had to physically be in certain places even though he could speak power, but God was just trying to show us what it's like to be physically here on this earth doing God's will. Nowadays, because Jesus died for our sins and he ascended into heaven, those of us who are God's children, we are sent on an assignment. Nowadays, speaking in the present day, putting this scripture to to use in the present day, we have to stay the course that God has for us. We have to be humble enough to know that there are people out there who are called by God, who will do God's will in his timing. So we must learn to not be distracted by every little thing and to stay the course. God wants us to move from one assignment to the next. So keep that in mind. And when we move to the next assignment, we must know that we will not move with hesitation and we will not be distracted. Okay, verse 2. A centurion servant fell sick of the palsy. We cry out for those people who we love, even if we haven't fallen out with them. And I know that based on just life experiences, I know that the Saturn and his servant may not have always have the greatest of moments because sometimes to be great, you have to do some coping mechanisms to cope with certain things that you may not agree with. But regardless, the Saturn cried out because he loved his servant. And we can learn a lot from the Saturn and his humanity as well as his leadership skills. Now, although he looked just like any other servant, to the satyrian, he was family. The satyrian, who in his position was a leader, was also a family man first and a leader second. Sometimes in life, we wear many different hats. We wear the hat of a leader. We wear a hat of a person who's in, in authority. We wear a hat of being a mother. We wear a hat of being a, uh, a, a wife. We wear a hat of being a husband, a father, um, a co-worker, anything. We wear, we wear many different hats. We wear a hat of being a daughter, a son, a sister, a brother. We wear so many hats. And we have to learn how to switch 
hats accordingly. And sometimes that's hard because sometimes you end up, and if you live life long enough, you know, sometimes you have to wear multiple hats at one time and you have to still learn how to function wearing these hats. But the thing that I love about God is, is that no, ma- no matter how many hats he gives us to wear, when we lean on him and we don't lean to our own understanding, God will give us, God will give us the grace to wear these different hats. And his oil from his anointing will pour out unto us. And not only will we have the grace to handle these hats that we wear and to take one off and put another one on, okay, we will also have wisdom in how exactly how to operate and how to wear these hats and how to adapt and adjust as needed in life. Okay, going on to verse 3. This Saturian's love for his, for his servant gave him hope to believe in Jesus. And in saying this, I put in my notes, don't lose love because you will lose hope. Love goes hand in hand with hope. And, and God said in his word in the Old Testament that if we lose hope, we become bitter in our souls. But when we keep hope and we keep hope alive, we become joyful, happy, and we become we become like a kid because we begin to have childlike faith to to believe in spite of the things that we see around us and there's things every day that can take our joy, can can take our peace, can can take our hope. But when we when we hold on to hope and to faith and when we operate in the grace of the faith that God has given has given us, because it also says in God's word that God has given each of us the gift of faith. Our faith may not be the same of another, but we do have the gift of faith. And when we don't lose hope and we, when we don't lose faith, we're operating in the gift that God has given us for that season. The Saturian was extremely humble. He did not think highly of himself in that moment. And he put off that he was a ruler over many, and that he sent the leaders of the Jews, whom he deemed was more worthy than him. Because if you remember in his scripture, the Saturians sent those elders who were of the Jewish faith and who are of the Jewish background. He sent them before him, and he said, hurry up and go to Jesus to let him know that though he feels like he is not worthy, that he felt like the Jews were more worthy than himself, he still had them plead unto Jesus, and he beseeched Jesus, and he sought after him urgently and fervently to do something which was to heal his servant. He pretty much implored and entreated for Jesus to, to come and to heal his servant. When we go before God for a loved one, when, when we're interceding, how Jesus and the Holy Spirit intercedes for us on moments, even at this very moment. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are interceding for us, and it even speaks about it in the New Testament. When we go before God for a loved one, whether they are blood family, whether they are friends, whoever, who we love, we hold dear to our hearts and souls. Love is love, and God sees all things good. Now, this Saturian 
when I was studying this, this attorney reminded me of David, how David was strong and David did a lot of messed up stuff. Okay. We, we all know that David was, if we saw David nowadays in the flesh, we would call him what we call ratchet. David was strong, yet David knew how to bow before God. And this what this reminded me of this saturn, how he was in authority. He told people to go do whatever it is he needed to do, whatever needed to be accomplished for the, the region that he had authority over. Because a saturn is a person who has had rulership over many, 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 many soldiers back in the days, like the Roman soldiers. So he had rulership over a region, but yet he humbled himself for this one servant. But yet we see that he reminds us of David how no matter how strong you are, bowing before God, pleading on behalf of someone else, that's like one of the greatest acts of love. And it reminds me of what Jesus said. No greater love that a man hath that he lay down his life for his friends and his loved ones and for other people. And that's pretty much what the Saturian was doing was that he was laying down everything that he was as a person except for love, because he loved his servant, and he didn't want his servant to die. And even the Jews and the elders that the centurions sent to Jesus, they're saying, look, this servant, who was kind of like Moses, they was like, look, he built us a synagogue. And to me, that represents that this servant built them a synagogue, which was their churches back then, like how we have nowadays. This servant built them a place of worship, a safe place where they can fellowship, where they can pray. You know, it was pretty much like a sacred place that this man had built. And to them, that was very honorable and that was very noble. And they felt that because of that and his love for the people that this servant was deemed worthy of a healing. And God's revelation to me also with these scriptures and these verses was is that this represents us. If we look closely, we will see that this Saturian had dominion over his people and his servants. He loved him so much that he sought after the one he knew and hoped would heal him, his servant. Because this Saturian's love would not let his servant die, not just yet, his love allowed him to believe This is why we cannot let our love grow cold. And we can't let our love grow cold because if we become cold-hearted, when we start having divine connections, who knows what is meant for us to, to do on behalf of that person. But if our love grows cold, then we can't see straight. If our love grows cold, then we can operate fully how God wants us to operate Because once your heart becomes bitter and cold and and manipulative and and mean-spirited, you can be in the right position but still have the wrong motives. And it's pretty much you're wasting space. So always keep your love hot, okay? Forgive when you can and forgive even when you don't want to forgive because God has given us the power as his children through Jesus Christ to overcome the world and to overcome the darkness and evilness of this world. So why hold on to unforgiveness when we have the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive? And it talks about in the Bible how 
we have the power to tread upon serpents and to cast out all sickness and disease and manner of sickness and disease. But if we can't forgive, starting to, starting to operate in a power within ourselves, how can we go out and pray for other people and to heal other people when we can't even allow the Holy Spirit to heal ourselves? Because God isn't going to put on our heart forgiveness if we don't ask. Because God isn't a, a manipulative God. God gives us the free will and the power and the humility to ask him for forgiveness. And if we have to ask him for forgiveness for ourselves, why can't we ask God for forgiveness for other people? Why can't we humbly choose to forgive at our free will if God is is not going to make us ask for forgiveness? Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's like we have the power to do these things, but a lot of times where we where we get caught up as Christians is, is that we hold on to unforgiveness and in over the years and over time, when time passes, it becomes more harder and more harder and more harder to let that thing go. So that's why God says in his word to forgive quickly and do not let the sun go down on your anger because the longer you let unforgiveness fester, it becomes a hard, a hard sore within our soul and we can't operate fully in the power of God and the love of God if our heart is growing cold and cold and colder. So do yourself a favor and forgive and always keep your love hot on fire for God. Verse 4, the Jewish elders did as they were instructed. They did it according to the centurion's will. They besought Jesus as instructed. This servant, they said, was worthy of healing. He must have lived a just and upright life in order for them to to, to say that he was worthy of Jesus to heal this man. And God loves a humble, meek, upright servant. And not many people can say that someone is worthy of a healing. In, in our eyes nowadays, because, you know, a lot of times either we don't really know who someone is or because of our our broken perspective, we oftentimes see just the bad in people or we always focus on the mistakes of people and we don't say, oh, this person is worthy of healing and this person, this person is worthy of a second chance. Nowadays, and I see it all on the news, you know, people are always saying, oh yeah, this is what you deserve. This is karma. This is blah, blah, blah. But love will allow you to look past a person's mistakes and flaws and say, you know what, this person did X, Y, and Z. They're worthy because they loved us, regardless of their mistakes. So these people really was rooting for this guy to be healed. And he was healed in the end. But this just goes to show you how when, we're, when we operate in accordance of God's will, and, and when we let people in who God allows to be in our lives, and we keep the the distractions away, everything falls into place. Everything lines up how it should be. And it's funny how in these scriptures, how we don't learn who this servant's name is. It just says that it's the centurion and the servant. But I know that certain scriptures are revealed a certain way. 
Because back in the day, sometimes people keep people's names hidden for protection. It's a level of protection, but who knows? And it's regardless of what the servant name was, he was a servant. Okay, verse 6. And Jesus went with them. This was in God's will. Jesus did one assignment after the other. So this was his next assignment. Jesus was not far from the centurion's house when he sent his friends to go and seek Jesus and to tell him to heal his servant from where Jesus was standing because the centurion felt unworthy in Jesus' presence within his house. And to me, I look at this and I say, why didn't the centurion feel worthy for Jesus to be under his roof? But the centurion also had enough faith to tell Jesus that if you just speak a word, that his servant will be healed. And God hasn't revealed that to me, and maybe God won't reveal that to me, but this servant, this centurion was so humble that he told Jesus that I don't want you under my same roof, probably because he felt like blood was on his hands. He felt like he was unworthy for Jesus to be in his presence. But the centurion had so much faith that he said, Jesus, if you just speak a word, that's all I need. Like the centurion was saying, Jesus, you can save yourself the, the, the rest of the trip, the rest of the way, and just speak a word. And I know that you would do what it is that your word says to do because you are Jesus. You are Jesus Christ. And your word has power. And this teaches us that words do have power and that it doesn't matter where you are. When you speak life and death, that thing comes to fruition. So we do have to be careful of what we speak and when we're speaking it because words do have power and words do affect the atmosphere. Okay, verse 7. He believed that what Jesus could speak was good enough. And he did. And that's why Jesus marveled and said, this man have great faith. And he didn't, Jesus didn't find anyone with such a great faith. No, not even in Israel. And to me, what was it about this Tyrion that Jesus deemed in that moment? Jesus walked around and he walked the earth and Jesus said, this Saturian has so much faith that yet Jesus didn't see anyone else in Israel that had as much faith as the Saturian. Now, Jesus didn't marvel at a lot of people. And Jesus didn't marvel at a lot of things. But when Jesus marveled at stuff and people, you have to say to yourself, what made Jesus marvel at this man who had so much faith? Like, was his faith greater than the side of mustard seed? Like, how how humble was the centurion? Like, we'll never know because only Jesus could see the heart of man. And only Jesus knew what was going on in the centurion's heart and in his mind at this moment. And for, for the centurion to have the gift of faith that God allowed him to have in this moment, it made Jesus marvel and say, wow. There's no one in in all of Israel, in all of Israel's region, that has as great faith as this man. And to me, that makes me go, wow. You know, it's 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 it's, it's an 
it's pretty much an inspiration because it makes you wonder, do I have faith like this? Can I speak on behalf of a loved one if in a moment that they needed me, could I move Jesus and move the Holy Spirit to to bring healing upon a person uh, that you would want to see healed and whole and, and new, you know? And and that's 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 just wonderful and, and and awesome because it makes you wonder what was going on in that moment in that love to to where the centurion laid down pretty much who he was to say, Jesus, if you just do this one thing, if you can heal my servant, maybe Jesus marveled at the level of love that the centurion had for his servant. Okay, verse 8. This centurion was a man who understood where he stood in life. He knew who he was and those things he could command and others would do, do it faithfully and wholeheartedly without question or hesitation. So obviously, if this centurion revealed that people do what he says and when he says something, he goes and do it, he must have been an upright saturian because we know that even nowadays, if you are a person in a leadership position, sometimes people won't won't do what you say or they'll do it with hesitation. So in order to be a leader, when you say go do something and they go do it without question or hesitation, as the saturian has stated that others do, you have to be an upright leader. Like in order for people to respect you and to, for you to have influence, when people said, you know what, I don't doubt what this person says, that must have meant he, in his own words, without giving himself a boost, he must have been an upright leader. He must have been one of those leaders who who really knew how to balance of being um, an honest person and a person of integrity and a person who cared about the people who was under him. And a lot of leaders, you cannot say that about especially nowadays you can't really there's not a lot of people who you probably can see who you can say firsthand who leads with honesty who leads with integrity that you know now you may hear about people you know who are on a bigger platform who you know you can see because their platform is that big but you can't say you really know them personally and you don't know a lot of people so for for him to be this way that's that's pretty much awesome and that that's that's one of the leadership skills that we can learn from the Saturian is to to have people do what you say without hesitation, without question. The leadership skills that he possessed and that he obtained and that he he developed was to have trust in his people that when he says to go do something in his idea and his leadership and his vision, they go do it because they trust him. That's one of the leadership skills that we can learn from the Saturian is is to lead with integrity and honesty and and um what is the word I'm looking for to be credible to be a credible leader he the Saturian seemed like he was a a a leader that had credibility amongst his people verse 9 and in my notes I put why did Jesus say this Jesus did not marvel much at people which I had mentioned before he didn't marvel a lot at people but when he did it it made you wonder what was so great that it it made Jesus take a step back and go whoa you know like 
wow, you're like, you know, like you're the real deal. You know, like you have faith. Verse 10, by the time they got back, the servant man was healed fully within that selfsame hour. Now, I got the selfsame hour within the, it was also in in Matthew, it describes at the selfsame hour. So shortly after Jesus spoke healing, the servant was healed. So when they, by the time they got back, and that lets you know that Jesus stayed where he was. Jesus stayed where he was. He spoke healing. And by the time the, the satirian and, and the, elder, the elders from the Jewish community came back upon the house, that the satirian servant was healed. Now, that's powerful. Like, within, within that self-same hour, like, not the next day, that self-same hour. And like I said before, each of us as God's children have the gift of faith. Now, we have to ask ourselves, are we operating in our gift of faith? Because there are times when we have gifts and we have talents, but we don't tap into it. We do have the key, which is the key of faith. But do we use our faith key appropriately? Do we use our faith key at all times how it should be used? Because you may have a gift of faith to pray a healing over a loved one. And then you may have a different level of a gift of faith to write a book. And then you may have a different level of of faith to to travel and do ministry. Like there's different levels of faith and in, in, in gifts of faith that we have that we have to operate in at, at any given time. And it's kind of like wearing different hats. And it's like we have to keep it. Are we using it effectively? Are we using the gift of faith efficiently and effectively as children of God? Or are we wasting precious time day by day by worrying and, and, and living in anxiety because we rather not use what it is that God says, hey, you already have this. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is, are the different seeds, joy, peace, faith, meekness, stuff like that. And this makes you wonder, are we operating how we should operate? And in my notes, I also put, do we have friends that are of the faith and can do that? That is the will of God. Do we have friends who are on one accord with the faith of Jesus Christ? We need to be praying for divine connections from God. Who we are surrounded by will sometimes lead to death or life. What if the satirian did not care? What if the satirian choose to, to, to look at himself and say, you know what, I got more servants, I don't need him. What if the servant's heart was cold? What if... Jesus hadn't been where he was supposed to have been because he still walked this earth. Even though I know Jesus was Jesus and there was no way that he could disobey God. But I'm just saying, like, you always have those what if questions. Like, what if the servant wasn't in the will of God? You know, what if the satirian didn't care at that moment? Or what if the, the satirian said, I'm too tired? Or, you know, like, what if, what happens when we are not on one accord with God. We miss opportunities. And we, we miss things that could be. Because God isn't going to force his will upon us. We have the choice to either follow God or follow Satan. 
in, in moments like these and scriptures like these lets us know the importance of always having one ear, better yet two ears, but always having at least one ear to the kingdom of heaven. What is God saying? And it, am I distracted or am I free from distraction and debris? Is my, is my heart open? Have I forgiven? Am I loving correctly? All these things determine how we walk in God's will. All these things determine whether we're going to do God's will effectively and efficiently and in a timely manner. You ever see those people who they plan a trip, you know, uh, they know they're supposed to be at the airport at a certain amount of time, but because they rather either be lazy or they get distracted, you know, the kids is doing whatever, whatever, whatever have you, traffic, you know, was packed up, was jammed. And you have those people who they're trying to get to this airport at a certain time because they plan a trip way in advance and they knew that they had the opportunity to be at the airport at a certain time. But because they choose to be lazy in one area, they get backed up in traffic, they're running late, and they get to the airport and they miss a flight. Now, this is the same way with God. God isn't going to force his will upon us, but when we're lazy in one area, it can have a ripple effect and domino effect in other areas. And, and God is showing us that, you know, we have to be on one accord in, or, in all things. You know, we have to forgive when we're supposed to forgive. We have to walk in love when we, uh, when we need to walk in love or walk in love at all, at all times. You know, we, we need to be doing X, Y, and Z so that way when opportunity comes, we're not scrambling and saying, oh, okay, well, let me get my things ready. There's going to be a time where God's going to show us where either you're ready or you're not. And looking at the satirian, looking at the servant, looking at Jesus, looking at all these dots that connected, it came together for such a time as this to where even though it was one moment in time, Jesus was where he was supposed to be. The satirian was where he was supposed to be. The servant was where he was supposed to be. The elders that he used and the other friends that the satirian used to go reach out to Jesus before he got to where he was. Everything happened when it was supposed to happen, all because everyone, for the very moment that lasted about an hour, did what they were supposed to do in times past to to get to that very moment. Now, this is the point. We can learn a lot from this uh, this moment in time, even though it was it was back in the New Testament, we can still learn and we can apply this principle today to to be in the will of God, to do the things that God is saying to do and to to do God's will effectively, efficiently and in a timely manner and with a joyful heart. Now, you can go back and read Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, and you can go back and read Matthew 8, verses 5 through, I believe it was 13, and you can get a concordance. You can look up these scriptures online. You can, you can read your Bible and try to get as much wisdom and understanding as you can that God has given you in that moment to, to see for yourself that 
this story is just so profound and so wonderful and so awesome. And we can learn from this. And this is one of those stories in the Bible to where pretty much all the stories in the Bible, but it's one of these stories in the Bible where you can just apply different principles from this, from this story into your own life. You can apply the leadership skills that the Saturian had. You can apply the servant skills that he had to your life. You can apply the faith, the gift of faith, the level of faith, the, the level of obedience that was displayed in these short 10 verses, like we can apply that to many different areas of our lives based on a few principles of having faith, having faith the size of a mustard seed, being obedient, being humble, doing God's will according to his will when he says to do it. Being a person in authority who, who has integrity, who has uh, credibility, who has uh, honesty. A person who, who they can be looked up to. Like there's so many principles within this, this, short, this short verses that we can apply to our lives. And we can use it in many different things and in, in many different areas. And none of us is above reproach that, you know, we can't learn from from this story. And Jesus had a lot of leadership principles and skills as well. And there's one book that I'm reading or that what that I was reading called um The Leadership Skills of Jesus Christ and it's a it's a good book. I picked it up in one of our local stores uh here at the BX and it's 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 a really good book and it's really profound. But we're not above reproach. We're not we're not so high and mighty no matter no matter how high on a scale that we get in life to where we can't learn from people, the things around us, and especially the Bible. You know, as children of God, we, we should be reading the Bible a lot. I'm not going to say daily because sometimes that's not ideal. Ideally, yes, we should be reading the Bible every day, but as long as we are reading the Bible as much as we can and as long as we are living in living in those moments to when we are doing Bible study, we're giving our times to God and we're doing the best that we can with what we have. God is going to give us wisdom and understanding and, and ways of how we can apply what we've learned in these scriptures. And it's not going to be all the time that we're going to apply these skills and principles and, and, and wisdom the very next day, you you may you may read the scriptures and you may read uh, Luke chapter seven, you know verses one through ten, and you may apply it to your life in ten years. You know, reading God's word is seeds planted in within us. Even though God gives us revelation in that moment, and sometimes God gives us a deeper revelation at a later time. But just because God gives us revelation in, in those moments and times of Bible study and in times of sacred fellowship with him doesn't always necessarily mean that we're going to use it right away. So don't think that as you're studying the Bible and you're studying God's word and, and you're reading books that other people have written and that you're trying to get understanding and become a better person. Don't don't think that those are, are seeds that are wasted because you're thinking, oh, well, I haven't used this principle it's a seed planted, and trust me, I know from experience and from my own walk with Christ that these are seeds that are being planted within us when we study God's word and, and, we, and we fellowship with him and we have one ear to the kingdom of heaven. That in a time of need, 
that these seeds will spring up and grow and they will be used efficiently and effectively when we listen to God in those moments that we need God to to bring his word to fruition. So don't ever think that reading God's word is a waste of time. Trust me, it's not. God has allowed his word to be written physically for us to see for his purpose and for us to to gain a deeper fellowship and a deeper relationship with God. So I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and I hope that you listen to it as much as you can and not just listen to me, but but go over these scriptures for yourself. Get wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Ask God to allow you to understand what it is that you need to understand in your season and in your season of growing. And I will be back with another podcast. And you all take care and enjoy your day. Goodbye.